Welcome to Wood Talk Online Radio. For woodworkers, by woodworkers. Now, here are three guys who are actually under the illusion that woodworking is cool. Mark, Matt, and Shannon. All right, it's episode 108 for November 7th, 2012. Now, today's show is supported by Microjig, creators of the Gripper 3D Push Block, an American-made precision safety guidance system for the table saw and the wood shop. They're not inexpensive, but they are the safest. Visit microjig.com to see the Gripper in action. Work safer, work smarter, Microjig. And make sure when you go to their website, you sign up for that newsletter because that lets them know that you heard about them from us. That's uh, microjig.com slash newsletter. Now, on today's show, we've got a special guest with us, Scott Meek. He's here to tell us all about his vendor experience at Woodworking in America. And later, we'll discuss cold weather woodworking. And we also have a very special event for you. It might be a complete disaster because it might not be funny at all, but we did it anyway. Uh, it's the Matt. We two- think it's funny. Yeah, we're going to laugh. So it can, that, that counts for something. Matt 2007 versus Matt 2012 saw stop debate. You know, you'll learn a little bit more about that as we get into it. Uh, yeah, Matt, basically, Matt's going to go back in time and debate himself on the merits of the saw stop table saw. You know, so. just talking with myself, I have a greater appreciation for my wife and what she has to put up with on a day-to-day basis. I mean, it's insane. You are terrible to deal with. I find it interesting how the chortle has evolved over the last five years. Yes, it has. It has there is, grown. There is a distinct 2007 chortle and a 2012 chortle. A change in pitch, a change in the actual frequency of the re- repetitive chortle itself. Yeah. It's, it's pretty <laughs> it's a wiser, more mature chortle from 2012. Well, that was a very robust one, Matt. Very good. Yes, yes. All right. Well, moving on to the contact information, let them know how they can get in touch with us. All right. You have a comment, a question, or maybe a topic suggestion. You have several different ways to contact us. Leave us a voicemail on our Skype. Our username is WoodTalkOnline. Call our voicemail line at 623-242-5180. Email us at WoodTalkOnline at gmail.com. You can leave us a comment over on our WoodTalk Facebook page. And if you're looking for the show notes or downloads from today's show or previous episodes, you'll find them over at woodtalkshow.com. So it's a whole bunch of different ways, folks, for you to get a hold of us. We'll have these uh, in the show notes, again, at woodtalkshow.com, where you can find them. So that way you can get a hold of us. And with us today, as we already kind of mentioned, we have Scott Meek from Scott Meek Woodworks in the in the, in the in the studio with us or on the phone? How, how would you put that? Either way, Scott's here with us. And I should apologize right now, Scott. I really, I'm sorry about this. I, I'm amazed at the unprofessionalness. <laughs> there is no professionalism here <laughs> at all. I would be more amazed if you said professionalism. I'm like, whoa, have you been listening? <laughs> well, welcome to the show, Scott. We appreciate you coming on and Thanks, hang, hanging out with us and actually guest hosting with us because we don't just interview people. We make them work. When they come on the show, <laughs> we right. use it as an excuse to slack. <laughs> yeah, uh, but we'll we'll bring uh, Scott right into the show with us. But we'll start off first here with uh, Shannon. What's been on the bench lately, dude? On the bench, um, building the toolbox for the hand tool school. And I mentioned last week that I had started my Christmas gifts. Well, this week I went crazy and I started turning using my spring pole lathe. Yeah. So I now have uh, hand turned or I should say foot-turned Christmas gifts. So if they suck, people will still be in awe because they returned entirely without electricity. But when you go to give really the whole reason to use hand tools. You have an excuse if it looks like crap. But when you go to give it to them, you're going to have a little extra spring in your step? I'm I'm developing a limp because one leg has gotten huge and the other one is scrawny. You're going to have like Popeye calves, you know, instead of your forearms. (laughs) Just one. Just once, Sweet. which is interesting because we always talk about hand-eye dominance when it comes to sawing. There is such a thing as foot dominance. 
And when you use the wrong foot, you actually get off balance. I'm discovering that quickly, and it's really not pretty. Well, I, I hear, I, I, I hear that uh, chicks actually dig lopsided muscles, so you're, you're good to go. I'm, nice. I'm picturing like <laughs> Shannon's going to need like a garter for the one side because he's going to have to buy larger socks. So the one side is always going to be falling. So <laughs> if you go to wow. those old man garters to go over your calf. Nice. Oh, I was going to get a pretty one. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, Matt, how about you? What's on the bench? Well, actually, what I've been doing is I've been working with my hand planes. And speaking of, of, of foot, for those who have seen the most recent video, I've been flattening some panels using nothing but my hand planes. And it's been a long time since I've done this. And I, I'm actually really enjoying it. In fact, it feels really good to be able to get a, a dead flat panel knowing that I don't have to turn on a single machine and just shave away at this thing. Uh, now, one thing I will say, and Shannon can probably maybe give me some, uh, and Scott probably can also give me some uh, techniques on this or tips on it. I think the way I'm standing, I'm pushing off with, with my left foot and I now have severe pain in my left foot. So apparently all my strength comes up through the ground into my foot and then out my hand plane. <clears throat> I don't know what to do about it. It's, it's almost like hand planer's foot versus hand it's, planer's elbow. I, I have a suggestion. It's those yes. heavy metal planes you're using. Oh, oh, nice. oh sales pitch. Huh? Nice. Oh. <laughs> Interesting. Now, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently once again, it's just me. Yeah, well, probably just because you did so much of it because you had the plane set on the Nancy setting. Supposed to crank it up and actually remove some shavings. <laughs> but Kelly well, it prefers it that way. <laughs> it's what's called the Adam Carabini setting where you remove a quarter of an inch per pass. Oh, yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about, like where the, the shaving comes out so thick if it hits you in the face, it leaves a mark. Yeah, it's scrap wood that comes out. It's not a shaving, it's scrap wood. <laughs> <laughs> seriously right, though seriously though matt it's probably because you spent so much time traversing um i think a lot of times when you because eventually you'll do lengthwise with a grain and you'll turn and walk parallel to your bench instead of perpendicular to it i think you'll end up using slightly different muscles so you're just experiencing repetitive stress disorder oh man i carpal, knew it was gonna be carpal Car tarsal foot syndrome that's what it is <laughs> yeah. all right can i i'm gonna write that down see if i can get a prescription for it so there you go. Hey, Matt, there's also, I don't know if any of you have read this yet. I have a copy and haven't had a chance to read it, but uh, Jeff Miller just came out with a new book called The Foundations of Better Woodworking. Uh, mm -hmm. Subtitle is How to Use Your Body, Tools, and Materials to Do Your Best Work. So I don't know how much of that is going to, you know, sort of involve what you're talking about, body positioning and things like that, but it does look like it involves that sort of topic. So there may be some yeah. helpful information there. <laughs> well, mm. a lot of it comes from the hips, you know. I mean, that's why we talk about bench height being what it is so you don't, where are your arms and stuff? And, and Matt knows how to use his hips, if anybody does. Yeah. yeah let's, let me his tell hips you, I, don't I lie, it, that's for sure. I, I carry a lot of weight in my hips. I, I thought for <laughs> sure that it would help me propel the, the plane forward, but apparently it might not be working right. Uh, well. Your hips don't lie, that's for sure. <laughs> so, but it was, yeah, that's what's that been one. going on in mine. <laughs> Mark, nice. what's up with you? Uh, well, the shop is pretty empty right now. I'm uh, just gearing up for the big bed project, and I did pick up the Babinga. For the project. So a whole bunch of eight quarter Babinga, 14 foot long lengths. I spent more money and it, thankfully it's not my money. Well, technically it is right now, but it won't be when I get paid. Uh, it's, there's nothing like shopping with someone else's money. I've never my, actually, my wife does it all the time. <laughs> that's true. Uh, I've never actually seen a lumber purchase bill, uh, this, this high, at least for me, um, 1500 bucks guys. Wow. Yeah, chew on that for a little bit. $1,500 worth of Babinga. I think oh I may have God. overbought. Buddy. I may have overbought because... What is, what is that, like four pieces? 
It's actually uh, one, two, three, like six or seven pieces. They're 14 footers, eight quarter. So it's a lot of lumber, but uh, with a project like this, if I get a little extra and I, you know, part of my pay goes into the materials that I'm going to wind up being able to store on the rack when it's all said and done, I don't mind so much. But still, I kind of, when I saw that, you know, come up on the, the cash register, I was like, what? You know, so <laughs> that was quite That's a bit. I suddenly start having flashes of, say, like extreme couponing, and you're like, I left my coupon at home. Yeah. You happen to have one that will take that down to just $100? Yeah, it was pretty <laughs> – it was crazy stuff. Um, oh. Aside aside from that, I have some auctions going on at my website. You guys probably saw this. Uh, just a bunch of tools. You know, I've moved the shop a number of times, and after doing it three or four times, you start to realize what things you keep moving that you never use. And you start to realize that you just apparently don't need them if you haven't used them in that period of time. So I've just got a bunch of stuff that that needs to go. It needs a better home than mine where it's just collecting dust. Uh, So all of the proceeds are going to uh, benefit Livestrong to fight this horrible thing we know as cancer. And pretty much, yeah, I mean, that's kind of it. So I'm not really pocketing anything other than maybe to give my mom and stepdad a few (laughs) bucks for packaging all this stuff. But uh, it's all going to the charity. So that's... Pretty exciting awesome. stuff. Excellent. Good for you for doing that. I mean, it's, it's so easy, like I've said before, to kind of give lip, lip service to like, I'm going to donate these tools. I'm going to yeah. do this. I'm going to do that. When in fact, then suddenly you go, man, do you know how much money I'm making off these things? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, I'm not saying I won't regret it after I see how much I actually pulled in. But Okay. Well, in that case. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, well, the thing is we usually do our yearly benefit, right, for woodworkers fighting cancer. And because of my schedule, I'm not going to be able to do it. And I kind of feel a little bit guilty about it. So this is something that eases my guilt a little bit. But, uh, you know, we want to move over to Scott and see what's on his bench. But really the reason we have him here is to talk a little bit about uh, his bench that was on location at Woodworking in America. So he was he was there as a vendor. And yep. I guess you, you might have been able to take in some of the sites while you were there. So tell us about your experience as a vendor, how, how you like the event, uh, and how it worked out for you. Well, it was my first time at, uh, at Woodworking America ever. So okay, um, talk about jumping into the fire. Right. Um, yeah. it, was, uh, it was absolutely and utterly exhausting. <laughs> uh, yeah. In a good way or a bad way? In a, in a good way. Okay. But... Um, yeah, I've been home since Monday afternoon, and like I'm in my shop right now talking to you guys, and this is the first time I've been down in my shop other than although the car, because wow. I've just been seeing my family and and uh, you know recuperating all of that recouping. So, <laughs> yeah. but, is it yeah. me or is that some sort of special formula concrete they have on the floor of that convention it's center? Horrendous, and I realized about midway through the day on Friday that I forgot to bring some some. Uh, you know, workbench pads mm, to nice. put in front of it. And I thought, oh, that was I was watching you your webcam Saturday about four o'clock and I, I could just see it in everybody's body language. You know, the, yeah. the, the, what was that bridge city across the hall from you? And then Greg Paolini, everybody was kind of slumped shouldered a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I remember it. <laughs> man. Bridge city Last had a nice year was carpet. awful. Yeah. Concrete but, will do that. Yeah, Lessons learned. But, uh, but you know the the most exciting part was just meeting people that I've talked to online for years, yeah. um, literally years. I think almost four years I've been on part of Twitter and the whole you know community there. But um, yeah, that was that was really 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 awesome to just meet people and that, yeah. I was just going to say from the pictures that you had. I mean, you, you've met some some great guys. I mean, like uh, the, the one picture of you and Roy Underhill. Um, yeah, Fantastic. For- <laughs> that one is great. Fantastic. Sparring between the giant plane and the giant saw. It's fantastic. That'll be one of my favorite moments of my life ever. It just, 
It was awesome. That's great. Now, of course, we we all know we've talked about this many times. We don't want to uh, delve too much into how great woodworking in America is to to hang out with your friends because, man, it's it, like you said, it's just a great opportunity to meet these people who you've interacted with in some way, shape, or form online, and now you get to actually meet them and hang out with them in person. Um, but as a vendor, I'm very curious. It's one thing that uh, I know, Shannon, you had a booth there, but you weren't necessarily directly uh, selling things. So I'm curious how, how your experience went as a vendor. Is this something you felt was good for yeah. your business? And, and we should probably l- give you a second to explain what you do. We haven't explained what you sell at your website at scottmeekwoodworks.com. Yeah. Um, I make wood body hand planes. Um, and they're awesome. Uh, <laughs> they are the best. They're, they're very beautiful people. If, if you haven't seen these, Scott, the, some of the even the most basic wood that you have, and I don't mean to be blowing smoke up your your, your skirt or anything on this one. Not that you're wearing a skirt, but well, maybe you are. Uh, oh, yeah. But there's no but video, the, so. <laughs> well, but the, the the stock that you work with and the way that these are shaped, and I know Shannon, you've had a chance to use them at the hand tool school. I own two of them, actually. Yes. Yeah, they're they're absolutely gorgeous. I mean, these are the type of things that you could easily like print this off, put it on the wall, and just be like, "Oh, look at the tool porn." So they're they're absolutely <laughs> gorgeous. Product yeah. idea: Scott Meek Woodwork Calendar. I I think uh, Mark brought that up, didn't he? A strategically placed? Never mind. I'm oh, yeah. oh, yeah. I remember that one. Yes. We would all be using very long jointer planes. Yes, yes. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Uh, wow. <laughs> I'm just repeating uh, what you said. <laughs> yeah, I, I offer any, anything from a, a, a six and a half inch block plane that just fits in your hand tremendously, uh, wonderfully, and then uh, all the way up to a 36 inch jointer plane. So. Nice. Now, now these are all made by you by hand, right? This you don't have a big factory that you're just cranking these things out in. Uh yes, just me. Nice, nice. Well, real quickly, what what would you say are some of the advantages? Why, aside from the fact that it makes Matt very tired and makes his feet hurt when he uses a metal-bodied <laughs> plane, uh, what what do you see as some of the advantages to a, a wooden body plane, and why you gravitated toward them? Um, honestly, the the reason I started making them is because I needed, I wanted to have a, a jack plane. I had a number four Lee Nielsen that I got for Christmas mm-hmm. uh, about four years ago, and I needed a bigger plane, and I just didn't have the the money to afford a bigger plane at the time. So um, I could afford a book. There's a book by uh, David Fink, and you know, if, if you're ever going to make a wood body plane, it's it's a tremendous book. It's making and mastering wood wood planes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Something along those lines. But um, he trained under James Cranoff and, and the whole bit. But I could afford the book. I could afford an iron. And I could afford a block, uh, block of wood. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I made a plane and made it out of tire maple, posted a picture up, of it up on my uh, website, talkfestival.com. And um, one of the guys on there said, hey, I want to buy one. Now, ironically, on Talk Festool, it's clearly a very power tool oriented <laughs> forum. That's an interesting place to start. It's, well, it's it's Festool in the name is is kind of a misnomer at this point. It's become more about boutique hand tool makers than anything else. Oh, no um, kidding. Okay. I was gonna say yeah. I get so much traffic from that forum. <laughs> yeah. It blows yeah, me away. Um, you know, new concepts is on there, the fret saws, uh Tico Vote. Um I think that's how you say his name. Uh, yeah. Bridge City guys are hang out on there. It shows how long it's been since I've been there. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, even even Scott Mick Woodworks has a special little place there too. So. Nice, very cool. Um, but yeah, I posted a picture and found out I can make money. I can sell these things. Um, and I thought, well, that's 
interesting. And so I've been, been making them and selling them for about three years. Wow. So. Wow. So is it, is it still fun? I mean, I imagine once. Oh you, yeah, okay. actually, um, you know, just the last, last, uh, month and a half, I've, I've been doing them full time and I'm enjoying it more now than I ever have. Awesome. Excellent. Um, That's great that, to hear. <laughs> part of that with the, with the shaper or with the joiner, um, because it's so shapely and, and sculptural, it really, um, I don't know what the right word is. It just, it, it fulfills something. Yeah, to, to very satisfying, those. right? Yes. Very, very satisfying. So, um, it's called the joygasm. It, yes, it is. It's fun to use too. Uh, Very nice. But as for why, you know, why would planes other than you know, I just needed one. It, it, I've really become addicted to them, and I hardly ever touch the wood body planes. I, I do once in a while, but I still love my Lee Nelson rabbiting block plane. I still use that a lot, but um, it's uh, it's a different feel altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, that that wood on wood action is uh, is pretty impressive. Um, they they give a tactile feedback that yeah, yeah. a wood body plane can't just can't give because of the mass of the plane and and the material. So, um, I don't know. It, it's just a it's just a different feel. Well, you, you you do a fantastic job with these. I mean, they are very sculptural. You really feel like you're getting something that's absolutely handmade. You're not going to find something like this in the store, um, yeah. and it's just made with such quality parts. It's uh, really great stuff. Talk about the wood that you use. I know at one point early on, I remember you talking once about trying to make one out of Osage Orange. Did, did that ever happen? I mean, I don't. I don't think I, I followed that one. But I know the, the woods that you use are just absolutely gorgeous. Is there one that you prefer to work with, or is it really just kind of you know what? Uh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, the uh, my favorite is my absolute favorite is Mesquite. Um, okay. And actually, I, I I definitely have made them out of Osage, and Osage is my second favorite. Um, I wish more people appreciated the osage because it's uh it, it starts out with a, that really yellow orange you know bright color and it really deepens this rich brown it's uh they're beautiful i had i had a few of them at the at wia so anyone who was there got to see those so um i'm hoping to get some better pictures of the osage up on the website too right now the pictures on the website are pretty bad okay but, hey i took those <laughs> not, not <laughs> osage. well that explains it <laughs> you told you me mean- to take pictures he oh, the Osage bad block. isn't good. Yeah, you got, you got a picture of the Osage block plane. That's that's a good picture. I think. Um, <laughs> backpedal, backpedal. Uh, the, the pictures that I took of the Osage smoothers are not good. Okay, so. got to clarify that. Um, so, so as a vendor, how did how did the show go for you? Did you get a, a decent amount of orders, and you got the exposure you were looking for? It went phenomenal. Awesome. Which part of the Great. reason I'm so exhausted? I mean, it was just I don't know if people were watching the live cam I had, but it was just constant constant people coming through and um and everyone said it was a, a smaller show than before but i, I had there's a constant stream of people going by and got to show a lot of people you know how they work and um yeah i, I had an absolutely wonderful show now, so. that's one thing i wanted to ask you the, the people that were coming up to the booth were they familiar with why a, a wooden hand plane might you know just be <laughs> that much different and why some people might consider it to be just that much better than a, a metal body. I mean, what, did you have a lot of people that maybe have never really experienced uh, working with a wooden hand plane? So you kind of, you know, you really had an opportunity to, to kind of teach them about all these things, or would you say that maybe you had a plenty of people that just were kind of in the middle, like they used it, but they really like, you know, just check out the design. Yeah. Um, I think like 
it was weird. The, the crowds were different on Friday and Saturday. Um, Friday, a lot of the people that came by knew, you know, they understood planes on a, and more than a basic level anyway. So they kind of got it why all wood planes different than a, than a metal black plane. So there's a lot less education on Friday. Saturday, it seemed like there's a lot more people just kind of coming in hmm. um, that weren't conference attenders or whatever. They were just there for the marketplace. Um, so Saturday was a lot of educating people on, you know, this is what's different and this is what's the same. And, you know, there's a lot of people that walked away with a different understanding of wood planes, I think. So. Oh, that's good. Very that's cool. That's, so, so in other words, what you're saying is Friday are the educated woodworkers and Saturday <laughs> is remedial day. Smart people <laughs> on Friday. <laughs> but I was watching the webcam on Friday and I kept seeing Tom Iovino come up on Friday. Well, so that can't be. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, I'm like, that makes sense on a Saturday. But if he was there on Friday. It just doesn't you? make sense. Well, you know. Rod we Jones. love you, Tom. We love you. Tom's the man. Tom's the man. Um <laughs> So I don't want to like spoil anything that you have planned for the future, but I, I heard rumors, and I will let you say what you want to say of anything that you might be working on in the future that you want to promote or, or talk about. Any new designs coming up? Well, uh, the the biggest announcement I made at the show, and um, I don't know how many people really caught it. I, t- I tried to explain it as much as as possible, but the big one is just uh, resin infused planes. Mm, cool. Oh, you yeah. could describe that a little bit for folks who don't know, even know what that is. I don't know how many people know about Blue Spruce Toolworks. Uh, he's an amazing chisel and, and mallet uh, and tool maker um, out of Oregon, I believe. Um, Dave Jeske. And I've got one of his mallets, and it's a, it's a maple head mallet, and it, it's been infused with this resin. It's infused with using a vacuum process that um, all the air is sucked out of the wood. And when the air is released, you know, the pressure is released, the resin takes the place of the air. Mm-hmm. Well, I've been, uh, my, my block planes, I love using my block planes and I've gotten a lot of good, good feedback on them. But one of the complaints that I had and that, that another um, uh, customer had was that they, sorry, my phone's making noise. Um, the uh, the bottom the sole of block plane when you're doing chamfers, especially on really tough wood, would get these little grooves in it, uh, depending on the species of wood the block plane is made of. And that that just kind of bothered me. I didn't I don't like people having that kind of experience with sure. something that so much time into. So I was using this uh, this mallet from Dave Blue, Blue Spruce and realized I've had this mallet for a year, and there it doesn't look used at all. I mean it. You know, I, I bash on some things pretty hard with that. And a light bulb kind of went off. So what, how could I do this on my, on my planes? And so I contacted Dave and he pointed me to the, the person that, that does his resin infusing. And I, uh, talked, you know, talked to them here and, and a few, uh, about a month and a half ago. And, um, we sent some pieces, I sent some pieces down to him to have him infuse them. I, I basically cut the blanks out for, three different block planes, sent the pieces out and uh, he infused them and sent them back to me and I put them together in the plane. It's, it's amazing. Very uh, cool. How does it uh, affect the working properties? Yeah. Um, it's interesting. You, when you, you can still plane it, but it's very powdery. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can still, I, I use, I fill it just the same way as I do my other ones. I just used epoxy uh, for glue. Okay. Um, because obviously, with the with the resin in there, there's no there's not a lot of moisture content left. 
So the the wood properties uh, or the properties of the wood glue uh, really wouldn't do a whole lot of good. So mm-hmm. um, so changing the glue and then it definitely is harder on the cutting tools. Uh, I definitely notice a difference in cutting it on the bandsaw and and shaping it with the rasps and spoke shaves and that sort right, of, right. that sort of thing. But um, other than being very powdery, it, it actually works really nicely. Um, this is the same resin they use in turning to uh, okay to solidify. So it, it's going to be like working with a stabilized blank on a lathe, in other words. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay. Like that. Very cool. So what about the actual properties of the finished product? Is the block plane heavier? And I guess is it therefore more stable when it comes it to here, movement? Because the uh because the resin replaces where what the air you know, replaces where air was in the wood, there's a lot less moisture exchange. So uh-huh. it is stable more stable. Um it's a lot harder, so the sole will wear wear a lot better. Um what was the other question about how weight? Oh, weight. Yes, it's definitely heavier. Um, I've got. I had two white oak uh, block planes at the show, and, and people could hold both of them. And actually, I'm, one of them I gave away um, in a in a drawing at the show. But um, the one with resin is about two and a half, three ounces heavier than the one without, which isn't a lot, but on the small block plane, that really makes a difference. Now, this is going to be totally a matte thing, but I, I've I've seen the, the the one that Dave Jeske has for the mallet, and from what you guys are describing, oh, you guys are going to laugh about this one. How does it when you have it finished? <laughs> do oh, you wait, need to like add early. wax or something to it? You know how like normally you might add a little something to help you know give it a little bit of extra lubricant to make it move across the wood any easier. Does does that help that out at all? I mean, does it have any effect on it, or is it? Not at all. Like you would still maybe add it. I, I really kind of regret ever asking this question. <laughs> I uh, I'm lost. What was the question? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what's on his mallet. Um, I don't know if it's just. I know it does take a a buffing shine very very well. Mm, okay. And I believe his mallet heads are turned, so I'm assuming that that's all that's on on his. I held okay. one of those puppies at uh, Woodworking in America, and holy smokes. I wanted to throw it in my pocket and just walk away. It was so nice. <laughs> I think I did somebody that, did actually. at one point. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't me. I mean, I, I paid him for it and then walked away. I don't <laughs> to be clear, but yeah. No, very cool. That sounds great, Scott. And uh, we wish you the best of luck with it. That's um, just see, that seeing somebody cool. just pursuing their dream and, and making it happen and also making great tools that other woodworkers can use is absolutely fantastic. So we wish you the best of luck with it. Truly yeah, one of my biggest regrets is sending back that block plane, Scott. Uh, well we need, we need to talk about that <laughs> work something out work something out you know, something. for the, for the sake of my karma just one showing up on your doorstep at some point let's just look at it oh no Oh no! <laughs> for the for the sake of my karma, I probably should tell people that actually Scott and I, before uh, he started the the company, we we rode down to Chicago to an LN uh, Lee Nielsen event once, and Scott was talking about you know going into like making his own hand planes, and I remember thinking in my head, yeah, whatever, dreamer, it'll never happen. <laughs> You'll never do it. <laughs> it'll never happen. It's just whatever. No yeah, one can uh-huh. do that. Yeah. No. Yeah. Whatever. And then now I see this, and I'm like. God, I should have so like, you know, hey, can I invest? Hey, you want to do this? Hey, you want to do this together? <laughs> you can still invest. I was going to say, there's still time. So, oh. Every time you buy so, a plane, it's invested. Oh, exactly. You broke up. Oh, I can't. 
Oh, what? Did you say? <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to move on to the rest of our segments, and we're actually going to skip around the web. We don't have a lot of a lot in the way of links anyway. We'll oh. uh, catch up with that next week. And in the interest of time, we're going to move on. We have uh, I'm really excited about this. I don't know. Maybe I'm not. It's the Matt 2007 versus Matt 2012 saw stop debate. Now, this was actually inspired by a question from Aaron Poindexter on Facebook. He he asked, how did Matt get coned into allowing the saw stop into his basement? Because all he needs is, quote unquote, fingers and thumbs, don't be dumb, right? And, <laughs> and he asked, what do, me and, what do uh, Shannon and I think about it? Feel free to be fun. I'm serious, but also being a little playfully funny. Uh, have a great weekend. So it really did bring up a good question because I know back in the day, it was around episode five, Matt and I kind of gave Sawstop, um, uh, well, we gave it a little bit of crap. You know, we, we questioned whether it was worth it, whether the extra cost was worth the added safety value. Uh, and I think both of us decided that we were happy with what we had. And at that time, it really wasn't worth it. And of course, time does change things and your perspective changes, your experiences change. Uh, so of course, Matt is at a different point in his woodworking career now, but <laughs> I really wanted to let Matt argue with Matt and figure out where he stands on this issue. So this is pre-recorded. It's about, I didn't, we didn't realize how long this was going to be, so I apologize. It is a little bit long. Um, but I'm just going to play it here for you now, and I think you'll enjoy it. Welcome to our exclusive coverage of the Saw Stop debate. It's Matt 2007 versus Matt 2012. Both candidates are here and ready to express their viewpoints, so let's get started. Question number one. You're pretty outspoken about Saw Stop, Matt 2007. Have you seen it in person? I have seen, I haven't seen the, in the actual operation. I saw it in one of the stores. I've read a couple of articles about it. Um, I actually, I think we looked at the short demo. Okay. So what you're saying is you've done extensive research to formulate your opinion. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So Matt 2012, please tell me that you've had at least some hands on time with SawStop. You know, I definitely have had some hands on time with the SawStop at this point. I mean, I have it sitting in my shop now and I've been making a very conscious effort to do more projects to really kind of try it out and see what I can do with it. And so far, I have no problem saying it's meeting all of my expectations for what a saw this size and style is supposed to do. There's a gigantic difference between reading about something, say, watching it on a video and actually seeing it in person. Of course, if you're watching that video on one of our podcasts, you know it's totally credible. Question number two, does saw stop breed complacency? Matt 2007, what do you say? I, I do think that there's something with the saw stop, this idea of this added safety feature, you know, that's fantastic. I, I kind of, I, I don't want to be like, you know, I don't know, like devil's advocate or something, but I'm, I, I'm a little worried that maybe this might kind of lull you in with a, a false sense of security that it's like one of those it, somewhere in your subconscious, you might be thinking, well, it's, it's okay. You know, if I'm not as careful, Matt 2012, now that you own one, are you any more inclined to be less careful around your saw? Oh my gosh, this must have been during a time when I was still doing liquid lunches. Matt, 2007, what the heck are you talking about breeding complacency? Not at all. From the very first time I turned it on, there's no doubt in my mind, this is a saw just like any other. When the blade is spinning and you're cutting material, be it a rip, a cross cut, or even a dado cut, you're as conscious as if it were from any other manufacturer. And if someone were being complacent around the saw stop, chances are really good that they're probably being complacent around every other power tool they're using at some point. Now, if anything, I want to say I'm more aware aware of my surroundings out of fear of setting off the braking system and having to replace it, but even that's pure speculation. We'll have to see how I feel about it further on down the road and if I were to actually uh, accidentally fire it off. Question number three. You sound pretty confident around spinning blades, Matt 2007. 
Do you have any surefire ways to avoid injury? I don't know if anybody's ever listened to one of my earliest episodes uh, where I talked about safety, but I have this little mantra that my kids and my wife kind of tease me about, but it's uh, like uh, um, fingers and thumbs, don't be dumb. Fingers and thumbs, don't be dumb. So you basically count on a few fancy words to save your fingers. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Matt 2012, have you stopped using that now famous mantra now that you have a saw stop? Nope. I actually still use that mantra all the time. I say it in my head every time I'm making a cut on this saw or any other power tool. And in fact, you know what? I even have a t-shirt with that on it. But back to your question, there's no difference in how I make my cuts on a table saw today with the saw stop from how I've made it previously. I still use push blocks, push sticks, feather boards, and I install the blade guard and riving knife when at all possible. Now, I will admit once in a while, for the sake of the shot, the artistic integrity, I will remove those things. Uh, but I'm getting really good about, you know what, you've seen it enough times, let's keep those in place. Because I, I, I think if anything... I'm more safety conscious today than ever, but that's because of experience and not simply because of the saw that I'm using. Question number four. One of the big criticisms of SawStop is the cost of misfires. Just how much does a new cartridge cost? The cartridge, I think, is about like another 100, 200, something like that. All right, be honest with me. You're just guessing. (laughs) Yeah. All right. What do you think, Matt 2012? Oh, yes. The cost of the, the, the misfires. Wow. I was way off. It's a good thing I'm not a gambling man. Well, maybe that explains a few other things that I have some issues with. Uh, but the cost for the uh, a new cartridge uh, was way off when I, I made those first ones. Uh, it's $69 for a standard 10-inch blade cartridge and $89 for a 8-inch blade cartridge. And as for damaging the blade, you know, obviously there could be extra cost in there. But I've actually heard of people who have uh, had it fire off. They'll check the blade, look for a uh, any damage on it, which can be as simple as just giving it a visual inspection or maybe handing it over to somebody who knows a little bit more, like when you're going to have it resharpened, have them take a look at it and they can tell you whether you need to replace it or not. But those big speculations about how much it costs to replace the cartridges are so far off. I think SawStop wishes they could charge as much as people are claiming that they're charging. Well, there you have it. You have to decide for yourself who won Matt 2007 or Matt 2012. Personally, I like them both. Well, there you go. That was very, very long. But really, I wanted to. I wanted Matt to have an opportunity to really uh, to explain himself because there. That is kind of a funny thing, you know, when you talk about a product and and you don't speak favorably of it, and then you wind up with one a few a few years later, um, you know. But I also thought there was a lot of good information in what you were talking about, despite the fact that this just came off like a saw stop commercial. It did. Oh my gosh! Halfway through it, I'm like, oh, I can see the emails now. This is just going to be. They're going to let us have it. He's but at the same time. Come. <laughs> well, when we did this, we did get a few emails that were like, I can't believe that you guys would not promote safety. It's funny how the tables have turned yeah. uh, the way they have recently. So this should be interesting. We'll, we'll be able to put maybe yeah. we should have those listeners before that were screaming about how we're not being safety uh, come back and review their responses. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the, the, your opinions change, you know, and, and I actually have to admit, I don't want to put all the pressure on Matt either because my my opinions have changed. I listened to that episode again. And I specifically talk about how, uh, why I don't really think it's that big of a deal because if you get, you know, if you touch the blade, you are going to pull Alex. Is that Alex? (laughs) Alex. Sorry. 
He's excited because he voted the other day. So. UPS man. He's um, getting upset about the saw stop. And that's what it is. Um, but I made the claim, or at least the I, I sort of uh, claimed that if, if my finger was ever to contact the blade, I would pull it back quickly, not push it further into the blade. But the reality is the <laughs> physics of the situation Come on. are that it kind of pulls your hand in. And this is something that I've you know not learned from experience, but learned from talking to other people and hearing other people's experiences that you don't just pull your hand back. You know, it's it's a whole different ball game. So my appreciation for the technology has certainly increased, and I, I wholeheartedly respect Matt's decision uh, to go for one of <laughs> well, them. I appreciate my, my experience, that. Thank you. My experience was sticking my I stuck my left uh, pointer finger into a table saw, hey, and I got very lucky. But I'll tell you, there wasn't time to pull it back. Right. Right. It was over in a split second. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's and, and since I had that trim router accident, I mean, that's one of those. I didn't even realize that it actually <laughs> that's my happened favorite. until well, once I started reviewing the videotape. Then I'm like, oh, my God, I got hit. <laughs> I don't know why, but I laugh every time I see it. I cringe and laugh at the same time, Matt. Well, I mean, here's the thing. I think any any person who has publicly voiced opinions and has been doing it long enough will find that their opinions have changed four years later. <laughs> sure, yeah. I, I mean, mean, I I... God, I don't people. even want to review some of my early podcasts. But I had this conversation with Roy Underhill when I was down at his school this um, – when was that? August. Because, of course, they just started releasing like the first season. I think the second season was out when I went down there. And it's like you, you watch it and you kind of cringe. You're like, yeah. oh, my God. Did he really just say that? Yeah. You know, and obviously Roy doesn't believe some of that stuff now. But when you think in that – in Roy's case, 30 years ago – Opinions change. Technology changed. Well, and people so, now are... The, um, it, I think, Matt, you bring up a good point. If I were to buy a, a table saw now, I'd probably buy a saw stop, but I wouldn't buy it for the safety reasons. I'd buy it because of my OCD and my aversion to dust. <laughs> yeah, I mean, overall, you know, it's a good That's one thing saw. I have to tell, and this is... I, 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 I made a note for myself to talk about this because I brought up the thing about the dust collection. The other day, I forgot to hook up my hose to it, and I swear, it shot out the back, and you can see a stream, like... A, like, like a water pistol or something and left a mark on the floor and it was all the sawdust just shot right out the back of it and I'm, I was thinking I'm like I didn't have any suction on it how the hell did that happen and when I looked there was no more sawdust on me or anywhere else uh, than there normally would be so that was like one of those wow that is insane cool that's a cool party trick that it, is. it is. I was asking the kids to stand in front of it, but once again, <laughs> they won't even come down here. All right. Well, just to keep things nice and balanced and fair, saw stop sucks. Um, there we go. That works. <laughs> okay. So we do have one more email. We'll try to cover this very quickly. And, and in fact, Matt, you've got a little story to tell about it. And I think maybe we'll just uh, close off with that. But we okay. had a question from uh, Matthew Klosky again on Facebook. He asked, how about do's and don'ts for people working in unheated spaces over the winter? Clearly, glue-ups aren't so much fun in a cold and freezing shop. What other considerations should cold woodworkers take into account? Um, Matt, you've got your little test that you ran, but I was wondering if uh, either of the other two gentlemen here, uh, Scott and Shannon, you guys at least have one cold weather tip that you could throw out there, and then we'll, we'll move quickly through this. Yeah, hand planes keep you warm. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> Work up that body temperature, right? <laughs> friction, 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 move, move. <laughs> nice. All right. So let's go ahead and jump in. Now, this is our good friend, Ski. He's been emailing with us for a long time now. And the one thing that uh, for sure is I think a big concern for everybody. There's two things. One is the glue up and the other one is finishing. Uh, Finishing, I think you can easily kind of manipulate things. Mark, you could probably talk a little bit about that. But when it comes to the glue up, I decided to do a little experiment. And I said I took two pieces of wood. One was uh, a poplar. Another one was just pine. And I created two separate blocks. One 
I, well, let me do this. I glued up both pieces at the same time, uh, and then I marked them. I put one out in my garage where the temperature is typical for this time of year, and then I took the other one, and I put it in my freezer. Now, my kids looked at me like, what the are these things in here? And I'm like, don't worry about it. Don't eat them, though. It's just a piece of uh, something I'm working looks on. Delicious. Mom, we got to start calling homes. <laughs> so, so then what, what I ended up doing is I let them sit in, in their respective spots for about five to six hours. I took them out, and the big thing I wanted to look at was what's going to happen to that glue line. And the most amazing thing that I found is the one that was out in the garage where the temperature, I think last night, dropped down to about 50 degrees overnight, 45 to 50 degrees. The glue line uh, during that five to six-hour period, it came out like it would be in my shop, in my heat shop no problem there when i took the one out of the freezer the the glue line and we have pictures of this the the glue line took on a white color it was very chalky mm. and so it was really kind of interesting because what i could do is i could start kind of peeling that glue off by hand and as soon as i did once it started warming up in the room temperature it started to turn back to that regular glue consistency almost as if i had just applied the glue and it kind of has that soft rubbery so this made me start thinking i'm like well what's happening actually inside that glue line uh, so that was really kind of interesting because a lot of the material talks about really cold temperatures. You start to get a chalky effect. And I know, Mark, you had mentioned that you had a, a situation where you had done a glue up and you even noticed that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, anytime you see that chalking up, it's kind of a warning sign that you may mm-hmm. wind up having a joint that's not going to hold up. That's right. And so what I did today is I took the, the things out. They've been at root temperature since uh, uh, last night and into today. Luckily, the glue bond for the one that was in the freezer, even though that chalkiness has kind of it's gone away. In fact, actually, since the glue has warmed up, it's gone back to the regular color you would expect it to if you had any squeeze out. Mm. Uh, and the, the bond is actually very strong. Now, this made me think of like, why is that? And there was an article that I found that said, you know, wood has a really good insulating property. And so it's very possible because when I glued it up, it was at that room temperature. When I put it in the freezer, that room temperature was insulated enough in between the the two faces that it kept the glue uh, warm enough to actually set up the way it was supposed to. So I'm going to try and break them apart, see if there was any difference, if it would uh, break at the glue line uh, separately or in in a different way. Uh, That's another thing we'll come back and take a look at. But it was just really interesting to see how it, it, just the color and everything about it just was, it handled it completely different. Now, one thing I do want to say about the glues is uh, most of the glues, the PVAs have uh, what are referred to as what they're, they're freeze thaw uh, ready. So in other words, you can have it out in a cold spot. It'll freeze. But if you bring it into a, a room temperature, just simply start warming it up. You'll notice it starts becoming more liquid. It might be separated. Uh, most of the glue manufacturers claim all you have to do at that point is shake it up, shake it up vigorously and the glue is going to be perfectly fine. In fact, I think Gorilla Glue said that you can freeze thaw theirs like up to five times without even having to be concerned about it. So obviously hmm. they've thought about these things. Oh, no kidding. Um, but other than that, the glue up is the the really big one that people love to talk about. Another thing, just a, a quick one, is when it comes to your tools, a big problem is that the uh, moisture is going to start accumulating uh, inside places like the motors on your electrical and everything. So a good idea is to always kind of let your tools warm up a little bit before you start using them. Because if you just start using them right away and then now suddenly there's that heat being generated from the electricity, you could potentially cause some major issues that would really affect the motor and, of course, the longevity of your tools. So, maybe turn so on the, one the good advice might be if you know you're going to work out in the shop, it's cold out there, maybe go out and, for the lack of a better term, preheat it. 
before you get out there and at least <laughs> raise the temperature up to, you know, like somewhere in the 50 degree area. And while it still might be cold to you, your tools will actually really kind of appreciate that. Nice, nice. Well, right along with this topic, there is a topic in the forum that I noticed recently. Uh, WoodTalkOnline.com. I'll put the link in the show notes for it, but it's about hobby shop heat. So, I mean, really, if you are going to be in freezing temperatures, that's probably the only thing you're going to be able to do to make it a workable uh, area is to heat it up a little bit. So I guess everyone is in there just kind of trading ideas on what they do to keep their shops warm when it's cold in winter. Uh, All right. Absolutely. So moving on to the iTunes reviews, we're going to close this up real quick. We're not going to read all these because we got quite a few and we really, really appreciate that for everyone who left one. But uh, read your names real quick. T.D. Hillman, No Stupid Name which is a fantastic name. <laughs> AWC 454. That's a completely different one. A- AWC 454. Yeah. Uh, tra- trap keys. keys. Trap keys, right? Yeah, something like trap that. Trap keys. Yeah. Sure. Uh, oh, Ken- yeah. How do you pronounce the, uh, is that French? Kenny Cam- Camo. Camo? Cam- Cammy? The Wood Ninja. Yeah. And I I, it's woodninja.com. <laughs> I was going to say, I would call him the Wood Ninja. It's much easier. Uh, David Picuto. How do you pronounce that? Picuto? Yeah, that works for me. Sounds good. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for the uh, five-star reviews. I wish I could read them all, but we are really, really short on time today. Uh, Quick reminder, today's show is supported by Microjig, not SawStop. Creators of the Gripper 3D (laughs) Push Block, visit microjig.com and take a moment moment to sign up for their newsletter at microjig.com slash newsletter. Uh, That said, SawStop, hey, you know who to call. You got the number. Call Matt. That's we'll, right. Call uh, we'll me. Up. Call. <laughs> Call me, okay? Uh, so, Matt, why don't you give them the contact information and we'll get the heck out of here. All right. Well, if you want to leave us a voicemail, you can do that at Skype. Our username is Wood Talk Online. Just look for us over there. Call our voicemail line at 623-242-5180 because you know you want to have just as much fun as we are by getting your voice out there. And maybe we'll make fun of you and splice you into one of our little segments too. <laughs> Email us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com. Don't forget, you can leave us uh, a comment over at our Wood Talk Facebook page. That's where a number of you have done it before, and we love seeing those over there. And if you're looking for the information in today's show, including previous episodes, look for us at woodtalkshow.com, and that's where you will find everything, even if you don't want to find it there, actually. <laughs> everything you want and everything you don't want. That's right. ScottMakeWoodworks.com. All your dreams will come true. Oh, there you go. We'll be editing that out at the end. <laughs> he beat me oh, to it. That's a good tagline. He beat me to it. That's, that's nice. perfect. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, thanks, everybody, for hanging out with us. A special thanks to Scott Meek for hanging out with us and telling us about his planes and his WIA experience. And once again, I'll repeat it just for uh, just for him. ScottMeekWoodworks.com. Check out some of the awesome stuff he has for sale there. And, guys, and I guess we'll... Uh, sauce up stocks. Yeah, saw stop sucks. We should probably repeat that a few we, more we times. Need to be balanced. Sorry, we guys. really have a lot Karmic of synergy. It's a lot of balancing to do there. Uh, but yeah, thanks everybody. Thanks chat room. We ignored you nice again. Guys. That's what we do. Uh, but yeah, Scott. Hey, we appreciate you coming on. Definitely Glad to be here. Thanks. All right, guys. Have a good one, and we'll catch you next week. See Bye-bye. ya. See ya. This podcast is part of the Frog Pants Studios Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there!